Welcome to Green Talk, a podcast by Green Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Megan Wright. The Green Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Jake Monroe, a soil management specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. We also get an update from Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario has released its updated research priorities and annual call for letters of intent for researchers working on barley, corn, oat, soybean and wheat projects. This is the first step of our research investment process for projects to start in 2021. This year, Grain Farmers of Ontario is placing a particular emphasis on research proposals targeting the following research priorities. Developing integrated weed management strategies that consider management and prevention of herbicide resistance and the biology of specific weed species. Developing integrated disease and insect pest management strategies that consider management and prevention of trait and pesticide resistance and the biology of white mold, SDS, SCN, gibberella, and fusarium. Quantifying the impact of standard field practices on soil health and developing strategies to profitably improve or maintain soil health. And finally, integrating 4R practices for commercial fertilizer with other nutrient sources, for example, cover crops, manure application, and biosolids. Researchers have until July 15th to submit their project ideas for funding. The province has extended its declaration of emergency until July 15th. The declaration was first made on March 17th to prevent the spread of COVID-19. The extension will allow the province to make or amend emergency orders as needed as it continues to ease restrictions in support of its phased reopening. All regions in the province have now entered phase two, with the exception of the municipality of Leamington and the town of Kingsville. These areas are being held back due to higher transmission rates of COVID-19 in the local agriculture and agri-food sector. Grain Farmers of Ontario's office remains closed. However, the staff continues to work from home to support our farmer members. Please visit the Grain Farmers of Ontario website gfo.ca slash COVID-19 for updates. Grain Farmers of Ontario isn't able to participate in its usual public outreach campaigns due to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, we are still finding ways to engage with consumers online. Many of the recipes and ideas we've developed at goodineverygrain.ca are also great ways for you and your family to celebrate Canada Day on the farm. You might even discover some tips to share with your non-farming neighbors and friends this summer. And now, here's my conversation with Jake Monroe. This week on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Jake Monroe. Jake is the Soil Management Specialist for Field Crops with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. Thanks for joining us today, Jake. Yeah, you're welcome, Rachel. So let's begin our conversation with getting to know a bit more about you and your role. What does it entail to be a soil management specialist? So I've been in the role of soil management specialist um, just since November. And uh, for those who knew Adam Adam Hayes, uh, he retired uh, last year. And, and I'm in his former role. Um, be- prior to that, I was actually the soil fertility specialist with Omafra uh, since 2015. So, so in the soil fertility role, um, I was dealing 
all with uh, nutrients, with fertilizer recommendations, um, looking at kind of emerging nutrient challenges such as sulfur, um, uh, involved with some of the long-term phosphorus and potassium work. Um, but I really kind of always had an interest in, in soil health and soil management, um, tillage systems, cover crops, that sort of thing. So yeah, in the I guess in the past um, six or seven months since I've started in this role, um, I've really focused in on cover crop management as one of my um, kind of main areas of interest and, and, and of on-farm research. Um, and also, you know, try to keep on top of new practices with respect to, to tillage, of course. So, so strip tillage has been an area of interest of mine for, for a few years now. And I keep in close touch with those who are working on, on strip tillage, either through on-farm trials or, or just working, working with growers uh, doing strip till. Um, my colleague, Ben Rosser, has, has been looking at strip tillage as well as fertilizer placement for a couple of years now. So we've, we've got some good activity underway in that area. Um, and otherwise, I, I, in my role, help to support policy and program development as well within the ministry. So that, that involves you know, pr providing advice and, and expertise in all different areas around, around soils, um, along with, again, other, other colleagues, but helping to inform policy program to make sure it's, it's kind of ground truth and, and reflecting the needs of the sector. And so what, I guess, would you say is the difference between now the soil management versus soil fertility? How I look at it is now I'm really kind of able to look more broadly with soil management or soil health kind of as my my lens or my, my focal point. But of course, that uh, like many areas in agriculture, it's multidisciplinary and many kind of interconnected parts. So I, I guess the biggest thing that I see is that I can now really focus from the perspective of soils, as opposed to um, the perspective of of nutrients. So, yeah, really, if, as an example, you know, I've I've got a project underway that's evaluating cereal rye cover crop management in soybean production systems, and so in that, I, I'm really focusing on, you know, how do you manage that cover crop so that it's doing what you want it to do with respect to not only nutrients, so you know, nit uptake of nitrates, um, but also in terms of you know, erosion reduction or potential, you know, reduction of, of phosphorus loss from the edge of the field. And of course, ultimately, you know, focusing on agronomic aspects of that system and looking at how can we get the best best soybean stand in, in those kind of conditions. Conditions. What does it mean for, for weed management? So I guess that's, that's the kind of, um, you know, perspective I take. Um, and it's all connected to soil, but there's so many other disciplines that we, I guess, I try to keep an eye on and work with colleagues to make sure we're, we're, we're looking at it in a, I guess, a broader perspective at any particular issue. So there's so many different things to focus on in agriculture. How did you end up um, with your focus on soil management? So I've, I've had an interest in, in soils for quite a long time. And I guess about close to five years uh, into the role with OMAFRA. Um, but uh, for my master's, I did a project that was looking at soil microbiology as well as soil fertility. Um, I did a biology undergraduate degree, and and in that degree, I really kind of started leaning more and more towards uh, applying that knowledge uh, to from a soils perspective and an agricultural perspective. Um, so I, yeah, I've, I've had a long-standing interest in in soils and soil management, and I've also really got a I guess a a passion for seeing growers be able to adopt 
best management practices, uh, improve management with respect to, to soil health and reducing erosion and improving, improving soil function, um, but also doing so in a way that's, that's economical and going to help them improve their, their overall farm operation. And that sort of plays into why we invited you onto the podcast uh, this week, and that's to talk about a new tool that's been created to help farmers called the Soil Test Manager. Um, a lot of farmers are getting soil tests these days, but don't really know what to do with it. So can you explain what the Soil Test Manager tool is? Soil Test Manager is a, it's a web-based app um, that basically provides all the information that you would normally find in OMAFRA publications. So either the the horticultural publications that we have or uh, publication 811, the agronomy guide for field crops. Um, so it, it houses all of that um, for fertility recommendation information and provides it in one place that's really easy to use, that's accessible on tablets, smartphones, or just on your web browser um, and, and allows you to, to input your soil test results um, input a very limited amount of information and quickly get a, 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 a output um, provides those recommendations as well as um, some background information to help you interpret that. So it's not just the numbers, but it's also some of the information or knowledge behind the numbers. And it can be used for all crops? Yes, uh, just about all crops. I, I hesitate to say every single crop because at the moment we've got all field crops. So any field crop that's got a recommendation in our agronomy guide is is in Soil Test Manager. Um, and we've got um, vegetable crops. We don't have uh, fruit crops at the moment um, in the in the calculator, just because, uh, and particularly, you know, with um, tree fruit and grapes and and those sorts of crops. Uh, often the recommendations are not just based on soil testing, but also tissue testing. So it gets a little bit uh, complicated for those types of crops. So we've limited it to vegetable crops as well as field crops. Why was this tool developed? Like, did somebody say, hey, we need this? Or, or was there trouble accessing the information in other formats? What was sort of the impetus for, for developing this tool? So the impetus for developing the tool really came from uh, my colleague or former colleague, Christoph Kessel, who is our soil fertility specialist for horticulture. He recent he retired last year in 2019. Um, but it was his idea or inspiration a few years ago um, to really come up with a tool and a web-based tool that you know could be at, at the fingertips of growers and house information that really um, you know has been a little bit spread out in particular on the particularly on the horticulture side um, but even on the grain side you know going through and, and flipping through the agronomy guide can be a little bit time consuming and in this day and age you know Christoph just felt that that information should be online easy to access so um, that like I mentioned that started as an idea a few years ago, um, took a little, little bit of time in the, in the uh, early stages to come together. Um, but in the past year or so, um, the final product working with Agnition based out of Guelph um, has really come together nicely and was launched at the beginning of, of February. Have you had any feedback on it yet from farmers? So actually, I have not personally had uh, feedback from growers, but I have presented at a number of different conferences, including um, the Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association, AGM, um, some of the local uh, soil and crop meetings um, over this past winter, as well as the Ontario Fruit and Veg um, Conference in Niagara Falls. And, and th the feedback that I got initially um, from those talks was, was really positive and growers seemed excited to, to try it out and really um, have access to that information, that interpretive 
kind of knowledge for soil testing um, easily as opposed to having to do it in, in PDF form or, or book form. Now, if you go to uh, soiltestmanager.ca where you have the opportunity to enter in all of your, your soil test information and, and get some recommendations, um, I see down at the bottom there's uh, 4R phosphorus and 4R nitrogen. So how is this tool playing into the 4R program? Yeah, great question. So we wanted to have not only a tool that provided basic soil test information um, for the accredited uh, soil tests in Ontario, but we also wanted to have some guidance on for our nutrient stewardship. So once you, you're provided with that information of what rate to apply, we wanted to give a little bit more information on how best to apply it in terms of the 4Rs. So like you mentioned, we've got a tool at the bottom for 4R for decisions on phosphorus as well as for nitrogen. Uh, the nitrogen tool specifically for, for horticultural crops, which have nitrogen recommendations based on soil tests. And really it just, it's pretty simple. It just a, provides you with a drop-down list of options for your placement and your timing uh, of the nutrient, um, as well as your source. So that, you know, what if it's nitrogen, that might be 28% or might be urea or, or, or some other source, um, and, and basically gives you a rating that's from zero to four stars, four stars being, being the best, and a four-star rating represents an application that is really good for our nutrient stewardship and is optimizing crop uptake and really minimizing the risk of environmental losses. So this tool is, is really a good way for if people are interested in supporting the 4R program to see how they can apply it on their field. For sure. And just for a little more background, Rachel, the, the tool in terms of the, the 4R phosphorus tool was, was guided by the updated Ontario phosphorus index, which is also called PLATO. So some growers may, may have started hearing about PLATO. Um, so that that information from Plato or the uh, kind of the background calculations was fed right into this tool, and the nitrogen for our uh, calculator was developed with expert opinion from from uh, OMAFRA staff as well as uh, a researcher in the area in Ontario. So um, there's good information behind it, and absolutely, it's a it's a great springboard to to start um, working with that for our approach. Now you mentioned updates and. What's, I guess, the plan going forward with Soil Test Manager to make sure that the recommendations that farmers are being given are up to date and following those best management practices? Basically, uh, how it works in Ontario is that any revisions or updates to recommendations, fertility recommendations, are, are moved through a, a, a committee uh, that has representatives from academia, industry, uh, government. And so that, that process as it goes on, you know, uh, year in and year out, uh, if there are recommendations that are put forward and accepted, um, in the future there will be opportunities to integrate those changes into the tool. So the the tool um, will reflect the basically the latest recommendation. Now those don't typically get changed on an annual basis, but once every few years there there are often little tweaks that uh, that occur. So there's there's going to be opportunities in the future to to update the tool dynamically. So we've been talking about this this tool, which is based on a soil test. There's still a lot of farmers who don't do a soil test. So can we maybe go back to basics for a minute and talk about the soil test and, and why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. So farming without without doing regular soil testing is a little bit like flying blind. And, and in some cases, uh, with some growers, it, it may work out fine for a number of years, but often there's going to be a certain point at which there's some nutrient, and, and in many cases it may be a, 
really important macronutrient like potassium or maybe phosphorus that's that just starts slipping and, and dropping to a to a point at which there's really a need to to address it to maybe increase rates um, and as a result production can suffer so soil testing is just it's the foundation um, for good nutrient management and it also although at least in southwestern Ontario we don't have too many areas that have pH issues we certainly do have localized um, spots we've got you know uh, sandy knolls in parts of the province that uh, that can be quite low in pH um, and it's really important to have a soil test to be able to to pick those out um, and address that with lime so yeah, I can't say enough about the importance of soil testing it's the foundation it's not going to take you all the way in terms of in terms of your your crop management um, and, and your nutrient management but it's definitely the first step and when it comes to uh, I guess taking um, a soil sample and, and doing that test I guess are there some um, tips or best management practices around that that farmers should be aware of like should you just be hiring somebody in to do that or, or is the way for farmers to sort of take the lead and do it themselves sure so I, I get calls from growers uh, fairly regularly on on this topic and it really depends on on the person and their inclination or interest in in soil taking the time to to soil sample themselves and certainly quite a few growers uh, will do that um, for those who are managing quite a few acres it in most cases is going to make sense to have that hired out have have a local retailer or, or, or an agronomist that you work with um, do that soil sampling for you um, and you know they're They've got the equipment in most cases and, and are quite uh, well set up to to sample uh, many fields efficiently. So, you know, that's typically my recommendation is to, is to hire that out. But certainly there are some growers who want to do it themselves. And in that case, if it's something that you're looking at doing for, for many years down the line, I'd invest, I'd recommend investing in a, in a good soil probe um, and, and, and having that at your at your leisure and and uh, basically if you want to do a simple soil test it's just a zigzag pattern across the field um, at least 20 cores and try not to represent more than 25 acres at a time with with one soil sample so if you've got uh, you know 40 acre or 60 acre piece um, you know break that into into two two different fields to to sample separately it might be hard to generalize because i know every field is different but are there certain regions of the of the province where you notice that like certain soil types have certain problems that are specific to that area? And, you know, are there, I guess, general recommendations that uh, farmers can take from those observations on on the soil and what we know about it? Sure. So I guess a couple of examples come to mind. So there there are certainly some um, some parts in the southwest and I'm thinking more towards Chatham Kent area um, where there are. You know, some knolls that have been eroded over time and can actually have some um, some issues in those areas with maybe low magnesium or in some cases uh, low pH and that can certainly cause um, nutrient issues and nutrient deficiencies but can also just particularly if pH is the is the challenge can can restrict root development and just really result in stunted crops um, so that's that's certainly one example in most cases across the province um, particularly um, Southern Ontario, we have calcareous or high high pH um, parent material, and so in those eroded knolls or or those parts of the field or side slopes that have lost topsoil over time, um, they'll tend to be higher pH, um, which 
it may not stunt the root system as much, um, but it is it actually can tie up other nutrients, phosphorus being one of them, um, and just generally doesn't provide as good of a, a growing condition. Um, yeah, other certainly there's parts of the province where historically there was you know a, a reasonable concentration of livestock, and it's um, now been you know several decades since there was manure going back out onto fields. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of examples, but uh, Lambton County uh, as one example is an area that uh, has, as you know, many fields that are maybe a little bit lower fertility, uh, having been cash crop for a long time, um, particularly lower, lower phosphorus in Lambton County, the potassium tends to be a little more naturally available. And so that's, you know, that's just something to keep an eye on if you've got phosphorus levels in the single digits. Um, that's something to be addressed and, you know, can be done with potentially bringing in uh, an organic amendment of some sort or, or simply using fertilizer or targeting your use of fertilizer, um, putting it with the seed for wheat or, or having, a, you know, a starter fertilizer for corn. Those are the kinds of things that you're going to learn when you, when you soil test. Now, you mentioned previously uh, an interest in cover crops. How can that help with, um, you know, managing your soil and ensuring that you have the proper nutrient balance? This is an area I think that a lot of growers are interested in, and I guess I'll just maybe start from what's been maybe the more traditional approach to to cover cropping in the province, which has been frost seeding red clover um, into into winter wheat. And there, you know, the the big thing, of course, is is that if you've got a good stand, um, and that's you know either terminated in the fall or the spring, uh, going to provide a a pretty nice nitrogen credit. So uh, the work in Ontario over the years has found that that is going to give somewhere in the range of 65 to 80 pounds per acre of nitrogen to the following corn crop. So we've we've really kind of I think established that red clover is a is a very solid cover crop from a nitrogen supply standpoint. Um, now there there are of course challenges with establishing red clover or, or keeping that stand of red clover, especially if the wheat is is more competitive. Um, and so there's been growers, you know, using other legumes to try to have maybe a similar effect. Of course, peas have been popular for a number of years now, and some now some other uh, legumes uh, like crimson clover, even hairy vetch. Though many growers are, are hesitant with hairy vetch, but there's there's some legumes out there that have potential to kind of provide that nitrogen uh, like red clover does. But to date, we've we've had a hard time showing that they provide the the consistent and you know as significant a supply of nitrogen. So that's on the nitrogen side. So there's certainly legumes are, are a really good fit before corn, even if that end credit isn't isn't too big. Um, but in terms of other areas and in terms of cover crops for soil management, a cover crop that I'm seeing more and more of, it's probably the most common because it's so affordable is is oats. Oats are great because they're competitive after after wheat um, and really help to compete with weeds that would otherwise you know have kind of fallow conditions to to grow up in and yeah i can't i can't say uh, too much bad about uh, about oats as an option and certainly some those with uh, um with livestock particularly dairy farmers i know have taken an interest or in double cropping and taking that oats for uh, for green feed and and i think that's a great option as long as you're keeping your eye on on nutrient removal um, so there's uh, there's a couple of examples, and like I mentioned, Rachel, the other one that I've got the most experience with would be cereal rye, which is kind of that nice kind of cover crop that fits many different 
conditions and in particular they can fit in tight windows towards the end of the season um so cereal rye really is is the only uh, consistent um option of as a cover crop after grain corn not every year but if corn gets harvested early enough um it's also a good option if after soybeans if if the grower is not seeding wheat i guess the big thing or the, i guess the buzz with cereal rye uh, these days is that there's been research not only in Ontario but uh, elsewhere, including the Midwest, that's shown cereal rye to be quite effective in in suppressing Canada fleabane, both in terms of its size and its abundance. And part of that is due to the allelopathic chemicals that rye releases into the soil. So those are, I guess, those are some of the big categories that I think of, and it it all depends on what the goal is of the grower, and uh, and then kind of selecting the species, and then. And, and tweaking the management to help meet those those goals. Another benefit of cover crops is uh, helping to prevent soil erosion during the you know in between the crops, like mentioned, planting after corn. Um, what other things, from a soil management perspective, can farmers be doing in terms of preventing soil erosion? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think what really works well as an approach is to is to combine agronomic tools or methods. So by that, I mean cover cropping, reducing tillage to, to help maintain residue cover, uh, practices that are going to improve soil health generally, um, and combining them with potentially uh, you know, structural erosion control. So um, potentially a water and sediment control basin or WASCOB, uh, working with a lo your local conservation authority to, to evaluate whether uh, a wascob or berm might be appropriate if you've got a you know large field with a long draw and that water can really get, um, build up some momentum uh, uh, a berm might be a good fit to help just break that momentum and and allow that water to settle out during big rainfall events grass waterways uh, you know i i see that i see a few of them out there in the countryside i think in in maybe previous decades they were more popular i still I still think they're a really great fit in some situations, you know, where there's potentially, you know, such strong um, convergence of water that there's maybe gully formation starting. That's that's the kind of situation where a grass waterway can be a, a very good fit. Um, and, you know, just in general, um, looking at where the erosion is really happening most on a, on a field basis. And my colleague, Kevin McCaig, who works out of our OMAFRA, office in Woodstock um, has actually just developed a new tool that allows growers to, to go onto ag maps and basically just point and click, um, delineate their field and then see where their erosion is happening the most and where they're losing soil the most. And, and they can select different options for addressing that, including tillage and crop, uh, crop type. The, there's a lot of different factors that go into soil management. We've only talked about a couple of them in the in the last couple of minutes. But what is, I guess, the most common question that you get from farmers when they contact you? Um, you know, what is it that they're asking most frequently? Well, it's maybe not a fair representation of all growers, uh, particularly because um, I've spent most of my time with the ministry as soil fertility specialist. And so I, I guess a lot of the soil related questions I get are still around nutrients and and a lot of times, you know, just interpreting interpreting soil tests or or for those growers who really, you know, are kind of beyond that level and they've got a, a really good handle on nutrient management on their farm, it's it's kind of taking it to the next step and figuring out 
how do they work within their whole cropping system, you know, types of crops they grow, um, maybe organic amendments that they've got, tillage system that they're using, and how do they kind of work more towards that for our nutrient stewardship model where they're getting as much nutrient uptake by the crop as possible and really minimizing their their risk of, of loss. So I, that's really where I see strip till as a good fit and, and certainly have spoken to a number of growers who've, who've moved to strip till because it's allowing them to kind of balance soil health and, and reduce tillage uh, along with you know good nutrient placement, getting that nutrient, in particular phosphorus, but also potassium down below the soil surface in many cases, either banding it or, or blending it and providing it in, in a location where that crop can uh, make really good use of it. Have you noticed uh, a difference, I guess, over the past couple of years uh, with your interactions with farmers that they really are taking that more holistic approach to what they're doing in their fields? Yeah, I certainly have have seen that. And uh, I, particularly in the last few years, I I guess just driving in the countryside, I see the obvious thing, and this year, you know, I I see a lot of winter wheat, and I think the message is really starting to sink in about the importance of crop rotation, and that's thanks to, you know, researchers like Bill Dean and and uh, Dave Hooker at the University of Guelph. Um, so I I definitely see grower that sinking in with growers, and and then the next aspect is you know that that uh, opportunity to have a living root, to have a living plant longer and winter wheat of course pairs very nicely up by allowing for cover cropping afterwards but yeah for sure and the awareness about um compaction you know is really elevated in the last few years and um and so growers are taking that into consideration you know auto inflation deflation systems that are becoming more common in the province um to, to you know mitigate the risk of compaction so i i certainly see that the leading growers are, are putting a lot of pieces together and, and and looking to really manage their their soils well. Now you mentioned driving around uh, the province a bit. How has that changed this spring with the COVID nineteen pandemic and the ability to do your research and to visit fields? Um, you know what changes have you been seeing? So uh, I'm fortunate in the sense that I I'm leading a Ontario Soil and Crop Improvement Association Tier Two project, so one of the larger projects that they have uh, running in different regions throughout the province and that was just uh, this is the final season of that project and OSCIA organization as well as OMAFRA basically has allowed those projects to to continue um, and it, basically what we're doing is as everyone else making sure that we're maintaining our distance doing our work with as little interaction as possible um, physical interaction as possible doing any interaction that we need purely outside and at that at that physical distance. So I'm very fortunate that that's been basically uninterrupted. I've been able to continue to to do that work and and gather lots of good information that that hopefully will be of use to growers in the coming years. Are there any other research projects that you're working on that you think might be of interest uh, that you want to highlight? Sure. So I, I guess I've spoken about the tier two project, which is two components. So one is is that looking at the question of plant green. So soybeans planted into a standing zero rye cover crop versus no cover crop or an early terminated cover crop. The other aspect of that project is evaluating cereal rye as a cover crop that can enable uh, organic no-till um, no soybean production. So basically seeding that rye early, thick, maybe after corn silage or even after a small grain in, in the prior season. Um, and using a roller crimper to kill 
to crimp and kill that uh, cover crop, lay it down as a mulch, and then seed soybeans into it. So we've got actually about uh, 10 sites uh, across several different counties where we're evaluating that system. Um, so that, that's what's taken up most of my time. But we've also, and not me personally, but just some of the projects that I'm, I guess I'd like to highlight within OMAFRA, one of which is the um, Ontario Topsoil um, Survey or project that's being led by OMAFRA, but also has a number of different University of Guelph professors who are who are collecting samples from it. And it had a full season last year. Hopefully, they'll be able to do um, some of that uh, work this year, but they're basically collecting topsoil samples from a wide range of different landscape positions across the province and, and creating a database, really, um, of or organic matter values, topsoil depth, um, nutrient values, and I think it's a really great initiative, and a number of OMAFRA staff are, you know, have helped to, to get that work done uh, in many different counties. Um, some other work that's that's been that's happening um, and has been happening over the past couple of years is is sulfur response trials, um, and that's being led by Dr. John Lozon with support from uh, some OMAFRA staff and looking at sulfur response in soybeans, corn, and, and winter wheat, and it's it's uh, been interesting. A showing not as much response at least last year as we would have expected um, given the given the cool conditions last spring um, but it'll be interesting to see what uh, what is found this year um, given that anecdotally there has been there's some pretty severe sulfur deficiency out there um, particularly in winter wheat mm -hmm. yeah we did have quite cool growing conditions earlier this year for sure and and that you know that frost that we had in May I think uh, it'll be interesting to see um, for for the wheat crop, you know, how that impacts yields in the end. I've just noticed in our in all of our plots that the rye, which is typically, you know, when it's seeded early, gets over six feet tall in many parts of the province, was actually we think stunted because most sites were were more like five or five and a half feet. Um, so yeah, that we'll, we'll, I guess we'll we'll see what comes of that um, challenging weather that we had earlier in the spring. There's always uh, the weather to contend with when you're trying to do agriculture research or just farm in general. <laughs> yes, for sure. That's one thing you certainly can't control. And um, it's been nice, though, in the sense that um, despite some some weather extremes this season, that uh, most of the province was able to plant in a very timely fashion, at least compared to last year. Now, if uh, farmers are wanting to connect with you to ask questions, how can they do that? So I'm not on Twitter, Rachel. So Twitter's not not the best way, um, but they can certainly reach out to me by email. So that's jake.monroe at ontario.ca um, or I welcome phone call as well. So 519-301-0548 is my, my phone number and always happy to, to talk and, and, and uh, answer any questions. And again, if uh, any farmer is interested in that soil test manager tool, um, how do they go about accessing that? It's very simple. They just type in soiltestmanager.ca into your web browser or just Google Soil Test Manager and uh, and that will bring up the tool. And again, it can be used on, on a web browser or if you if you work more on your smartphone, um, you can you can go to the website and then basically it's not an app in the sense that it can be, you know purchased or downloaded on an app store, but it basically can be pinned to your, your, your home screen and function exactly like an app would. 
Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today about this new tool and just in general about soil management for uh, farmers here in Ontario. You're very welcome, Rachel, and I was happy to take part. Joining me on the podcast today, I have our CEO, Crosby Devitt. How are you today, Crosby? I'm doing well, Megan. How are you today? I'm good. So most of the uh, province has moved into stage two of reopening, but our office hasn't been included in that yet. So how's your work from home situation been? Oh, things are going pretty well. I guess we're about three months in now, so it's becoming a little bit normal. But uh, I think myself and uh, and our staff and, and most people across the province are are actually looking forward to getting back into their office or their regular workspace if they're not there yet. So, uh, but yeah, things are going, going quite well. We're fortunate that we have good technology and we're connected and we, we just had a staff meeting this morning on zoom and, uh, it's good to be able to see, see faces and not just voices on the, even though it's through the computer. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's for sure. Uh, so our new fiscal year began on the 1st of June, and now the board's approved the budget for the coming fiscal year. And can you tell us how that went and where our checkoff fees are at for this year? Certainly. So every year, the the GFO board of directors uh, goes through, you know, a budgeting process. So our fiscal year starts June 1, and it's typically at that June board meeting where they review uh, the full year ahead's budget and license fee projections and so on and approves that and approves that and uh, this year was a little different they did it uh, via zoom but uh, went through the whole process as well and so in terms of setting check off the the board's decision was to keep things stable this year so there will be no uh, overall change in the check off uh, rates per uh, per ton of crop um, the way they're set is on kind of a five-year average so there'll be a penny up or pe penny down um, but the overall uh, projection for checkoff would be would be the same okay that's good so then uh, included with that planning and stuff we just went over the research priorities so do you want to talk about what those are for this year yes i could do that so so part of the budgeting process um, is planning for each of our business units and budgeting for each of those. Um, and one of them is uh, our research investments, and that's a big area of focus for GFO. Um, close to $2 million a year of checkoff goes directly into uh, funding research projects across the province to help uh, grow better crops, develop new varieties, uh, manage insects and disease pests and all those types of challenges that farmers are facing. And so part of that process is that the research priorities are updated on a, on a yearly basis. And so the board just approved the, uh, the 2020, 21 research priorities, uh, at the board meeting as well. So that will form the basis for our new call for proposals that was just released. So, so what uh, the research department at GFO does is uh, release those priorities and asks researchers uh, working in, in all those areas of priority to submit proposals. And then the research committee of delegates and directors reviews that uh, through the coming months and will select uh, the best ones and the high priority ones to be funded with GFO dollars. That's great. And so kind of continuing with that and research and our crops and the fields, uh, we are quickly approaching July now, and there's the old mm -hmm. saying of knee high by July. Yeah. 
uh, for corn. So does it look like most areas of the province will reach that goal or how are all the crops looking throughout the province? Yeah, so it's, uh, of course, it's hard to generalize across the province, but, uh, you know, at, at our board meeting there uh, in June, there's typically a bit of a roundtable crop update from across the province. And uh, I would say in terms of the, you know, where we sit uh, this time in 2020 compared to the last couple of years, the, the crop's probably further advanced in, in most cases. Uh, the crop generally went in in, in good time and uh, there's been some heat already. Uh, most of the province was starting to get a bit dry and over the last few days there's been some rain um, talking to several people it's been a bit spotty but uh, a big part of the province did get some moisture over the last few days so so that'll be uh, very positive um, one of the things that we are hearing in terms of the crop is that uh, you know they're starting to see insect issues pop up and certain areas uh, whether it's armyworm in some wheat or whether there's even some hints of uh, soybean aphids potentially even starting already um, it's probably too early to know whether that will become a big issue but it's certainly something I think the agronomists and farmers and uh, and everybody involved is is watching closely and uh, trying to make sure all the tools and information for farmers are in place uh, should there need to be some some action taken in the fields on that that's great. Well, fingers crossed that things keep going well. Um, but on the offhand chance that something does go wrong, one of the other things we've been working on is um, improvements to the business risk management programs. So do you want to talk a bit about our government relations side of things? Yeah, so the the work there is, is continuing uh, quite intensely. And uh, I would think, uh, you know, most would be aware that GFO has launched a fairly significant campaign over the last few weeks um, really to highlight the need for farmers to have a backstop in terms of uh, risk management programs and that's both you know federal and provincial governments um, as most industries uh, farming's been affected by covid there's been uh, you know challenges in the marketplace and a huge amount of uncertainty and so over the last few weeks and continuing we've had a lot of discussions with with government both levels about the need for uh, some injection into those programs should farmers come to fall and uh, into harvest and and the markets haven't come back to the level that are profitable or to cover costs uh, for that matter and so um, you know we're we're hopeful we've been having some positive conversations and uh, certainly there's you know there's a need there and that's been well articulated by farmers and we've we've shared that um, you know with many of our government uh, officials uh, both elected and uh, and staff as well and so that uh, that continues and uh, you know really what we're you know a big message there is if uh, farming is successful in this province then we're going to have a successful food supply and that is of interest to everyone in this province, uh, not just farmers. Of course. And so talking about, you mentioned some of the COVID-19 impacts. And so things uh, in the world are starting to get a little bit back to normal. Mm -hmm. So are markets kind of starting to pick up again? Like are things in the agriculture supply chain getting back to normal? Yeah, I think uh, we're, I wouldn't say we're back to normal. Um, it's hard to know what normal is these days. But mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the 
the planting season that we just came through, uh, you know, for the most part in the grain crop side of things, the crop was able to get in. There were, you know, very few, if any, serious supply shortages. And that's, uh, you know, in large part due to the efforts that everybody made to keep everyone safe and healthy and uh, get product in place and so on when it was needed. Um, so very positive there. Um, you know, as we look forward, I think that the focus is shifting to the markets um, for the crops that we're going to be harvesting. We're not that far away from wheat harvest. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've seen a fairly significant drop in the wheat market over the last few weeks. Um, you know, just uh, global forces and supply issues and things like that coming into play. And, you know, if you look at the corn and soybean markets, um, you know, they've been kind of just kind of hanging in there at a fairly low level. Um, you know, often we'll see a, a rally in the corn market uh, in June, and we just didn't really see that this year. So um, I think it's a bit anybody's guess, but, uh, you know, talking to the experts and hearing from them, uh, there's still a massive amount of uncertainty in terms of where these markets will go uh, between now and harvest and beyond. Right. Well, let's hope that things pick back up and uh, I guess that's all we can really do in farming right now is just hope that the weather stays and markets uh, turn around. So that's right. I think you know, from the the grain side of things, as as anybody that's in the in the business knows, you do you control what you can, and there's a lot uh, beyond our control. And so you hope for the best, but uh, manage the crop as well as you can. Um, and uh, you know, that's why we're looking for partners and uh, and ways to help manage risk together. So uh, let's hope for the best all around here. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to give us an update today. Thanks, Megan. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash graintalk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Jake Monroe and Crosby Devitt. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.